honesty hour, I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. I got, I got an idea here if you're listening to this. Um, I think it's, it's pretty unique, right? So you guys drive, you've mm-hmm. all been driving. So think, picture yourself driving, right? You're pretty good at it, mm-hmm. pretty, pretty confident, right? And I tell you to go parallel park my camera. Like, okay, yeah, I'll go park that. And then I say, actually, forget that. I'm gonna have you go parallel park my Lamborghini. Now, actually put yourself, close your eyes and like put yourself in that moment. I'm gonna go parallel park a brand new Lamborghini. What happens to you? Like what, what happens? You start to get nervous. Yep. You're like, uh, yeah, I know I'm a good driver, but like this is a $150,000 vehicle. And to me right there, that's self-image. Welcome to the Strange On Purpose podcast. Uh, today we have on two double hosts for the first time since Brahma decided to come on and <laughs> not talk. Uh, so we have Q and Izzy with Mason. Mason, how's it going today? Going well, guys. Appreciate you inviting me on. It's an honor and a privilege. I, I love what you guys are doing here in Milwaukee. Oh, I, we appreciate you. And actually, I, I lied, guys. Uh, we have a triple host. Uh, Dingo is also in the studio with us. Uh, getting all His the name pets. is Levi. It's not Dingo. <laughs> Dingo is also Dingo. in the studio. Um, but yeah, I mean, more than anything, we want to get into who Mason is, right? Why are you on... Uh, what do you do and why do you do it? Yeah, right on. Um, yeah, man, I think you guys, uh, you, if I look at you guys and I look at my life, it's there's a lot of common things in terms of just that I had that entrepreneurial itch from like 16. It started scratching for a little bit. And um, fortunately or unfortunately, however you want to look at life, um, I, I come from a family that uh, had some financial struggles quite a bit a lot of a lot of overspending um, which was something my parents actually were super transparent about uh, as we got older and so as I got into kind of pursuing the college realm I grew up in Green Bay and honestly just kind of looked at uh, college uh, from a more of a kind of social light and uh, opportunity to play a sport I played soccer at UW Oshkosh for uh, all four years and some great lessons. Titans, there. right? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, we competed against them, didn't we? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Where were you guys at? We were at Stretch, so we ran track. Actually, Q ran track. <laughs> I, like, walked most of the time, but I guess I can say I was a college athlete at one point. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> were you a, what kind of, triple jumper? Wow. Yeah. Gentlemen's event. Uh, not many people do it. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you, man. Yeah, I didn't like it that much. No. It's over, so that's all that matters, you know? Yeah, well, you don't... D3, right? So you weren't It was like... It was NAI, but we competed a lot against D3, D2, and D1, honestly. Oh, okay. Were you on a scholarship? Yeah. Oh, okay. So you're doing it for a little bit of the scholarship money? Yeah, mostly. <laughs> but it teaches you a lot, man. Yeah. It does. Yeah. I don't know why I did it. I wasn't on a scholarship. <laughs> I literally had no passion for it. I just kind of... 
I actually, I, that's a complete lie. Um, so Stritch started the track team, and it got, we all got wind that the first year they were going to go to Myrtle Beach for spring break. Nice. I was like, oh, that's dope. I would love to go to Myrtle Beach. Yeah. So <laughs> literally like the first three weeks were the most terrible times of my life. Like I was like puking after practices and stuff like that. And then uh, Q was like, no, you got to keep coming. We got to go to Myrtle Beach together. And Myrtle Beach ended up sucking. It was like rainy and oh, cold. And the only thing that was cool is that like, I think we, like three of us got to share a condo and there was like 12 condos rented out or something like that. So that was cool and we were right on the beach. Um, but yeah, I think the only reason why I did that was because of because of the Myrtle Beach trip. Dude, that team though, like again, it was the first year, like it was the weirdest experience. Like I honestly became a coach. He like honestly like was recruiting for us and we became like, I think number one, yeah. number two in the nation. Like it was the weirdest, it's a story for another time, Ed, but like the weirdest experience as athletes, like we were doing that, like, and now like the guy, like GA, he was a GA, became yep. the head coach, and now he's like one of the top coaches in the nation too. At Oshkosh. Yeah, at Oshkosh. Well, who won a ton of national championships and has done amazing things with mm -hmm. the track and field. Yeah. Why? It's crazy. That's we. So, <laughs> I mean, he wants to know. So like, um, there was a lot of stuff that went down in Myrtle Beach. One was... There was a lot of inappropriate activity um, from head coach, even to uh, lower staff, um, and the it was towards the the women's team. And me being a guy, I was like, "Wow, that's kind of crappy. Like, no one's gonna talk about it." And the women were like, "Hey, no, we we don't think we should be the voice. You guys should be the voice." So me and Q kind of stepped up, and <laughs> it was kind of dumb, very college of us, but. Um, me and Q started like this internal, like not revolt, but we used to call it like the British are coming. <laughs> we're weird, <laughs> yeah, we're still very weird. weird. <laughs> um, but essentially, we we saw that like this guy and like these people weren't treating everyone equally, and uh, our head coach was like drunk on the beach, which like I would have had no problem with until he started like pulling bra straps. Yeah, oh, like geez. doing yeah. some weird stuff. So we got back to Milwaukee. Um, also, I would never take a cross-country tip on a coach bus ever again in my life. I had to sleep on the floor. That was terrible. Um, but we got back to Milwaukee and, like, talked to the AD and all this stuff. And the GAs, coach ended up getting fired. Uh, GAs took over. GAs also were in school. So, like, it was uh, – they asked really the captains to step up. And I was not a captain whatsoever, but I knew my high school track team had this amazing program. Um, I was an athlete in high school, um, and I knew all the coaches and everything like that. So uh, when I found out who was recruiting for us, I was like, hey, let me be a part of the team, but as a recruiter, I don't like – obviously, I'm not a runner. Like, <laughs> I cannot throw – like, they wanted me to throw the javelin because I played baseball, and I couldn't throw it for the life of me. Q tried it once, and, like, he, he did way better than me. Um, so – but honestly, my claim to fame – with that track program was I brought in a ton of like highly high level recruits and I was the first person to run the 60 yard dash. So technically I held a stretch record. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. It was, was really, like your first, like you guys like worked together on something probably one of it was yeah. yeah. That and then like kicking our roommates out of our, our dorm room <laughs> and stuff like that. But that was like, that was a big, like, yeah, that was, 
that was really cool. Moment, man. Yeah, I forgot about that. Like, <laughs> that's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's really cool. And the cool thing about it is that, like, obviously the GA is now at Oshkosh, Oshkosh and he's killing it. Another GA was at another school, just killing it too. Um, and then seeing the athletes that, like, we both helped recruit and, like, both he helped coach and stuff like that actually succeed, which was, was really cool, especially to me. Like, I, I, I ran track in middle school. I was this fat, stubby kid, and, like, I did it because my friends were doing it, and that's the only reason why. Yeah. And I learned about lifting. Like, I was never a big lifter and stuff like that. So it was cool just getting the entire purpose behind everything. What you talked about, like purpose, man, and I know like that's super important. You purpose, mission. Yeah. Like, talk to us about like what, why are you doing the things that? First of all, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> why? Why yeah. are you doing those things? Yeah. What's your purpose? Yeah. So circling back to athletics, like my whole self-image was kind of built on soccer, and so um, you know I got to Oshkosh and basically sat the bench for two years. And so when your self-image is built on something like that, you kind of lose your identity, right? It's like, well, I thought this was it. Um, but the one thing I just have is like a lot of grit and grind and, uh, and I just don't like quitting things and kind of suck at, suck at quitting. Uh, and sometimes that hurts me. Um, but I ended up writing it out and then our last two years we had a great run and I kept in the team and kind of developed that brought myself image back and then went to Europe for a year and took a stab at playing internationally and, you know, that was kind of put my dream on the line. Like I was going to just bring it all you know that was my purpose that was the way that I was going to kind of know be known and um that got stripped away so by the time I got back here um I had a degree in supply chain but I was like I didn't know who I was I was kind of in this depression mode um they call it post-athletic depression a lot of athletes go through it when they give their whole life to something and so what happened was I got into corporate America and I did it just because that's what my parents did and I was super disappointed. Um, not because corporate America is bad. I just that wasn't that wasn't like my identity. That was not who I wanted to be. I saw a lot of brokenness in the the kind of the the corporate ladder and you know as you climb in politics. And so I started pursuing everything I could outside of work. And um, so I was I was looking at real estate. I got into e-commerce, did some sales, got my teeth cut there. And then I ended up meeting a gentleman um, out of Madison and a kind of a group of entrepreneurs who had a mastermind and they took me under their wing. And I launched my first company in e-commerce and formed a, a actually a pretty interesting business model, uh, independent franchise. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a hybrid of a bunch of different businesses. And the idea and the mindset of it was that we wanted to empower other people to run businesses. That was like our main goal. Is that it's not about it's not about us just like having our name on a company. It's about how many people can we help start their own company and create their name. And that was the vision. And um, we scaled that over the last six seven years, um, and it's done super well. And then what's branched off of that is a kind of an education platform for aspiring entrepreneurs, where we have our own podcast subscription base. And um, we do conferences and seminars and help people and kind of develop people. And so now I'm starting to find like my true identity. And it took some pretty instrumental mentors and coaches in my life to kind of start to bring that together and um, really start to formulate that. And then what happened was I started just tagging success differently. Because up until that point, it was money, Mm -hmm. it was status, it was a brand name, 
like what was I known that way and I started just realizing that what I wanted to be known for is how many people people are better off because we lived like what what impact have we had and how many people have we helped along the journey and when that heart change happened when it went kind of from my head to my heart everything started to change uh, my relationships started to change my my self-image started to grow and like uh, my I met my wife along that journey and so it was kind of a neat you didn't ever find in that purpose and what I what I really want to be known for. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's crazy. And so, and seeing like all the lives that you you have impacted through this journey, um, what has been like your biggest like wow, I I'm glad I'm doing this type of moment. Mm -hmm. Probably one of the most successful su successful owners that we have live here. They actually just bought a house right next to ours in, in Brewers Hill. Oh, nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, and he comes from a pretty decent like business background, um, but he was very corporate driven. Um, unfortunately, uh, he they got into a bunch of debt from school, from his wife's school, school at Marquette, and she became a PA. And to see them transform and see him grow. I mean, he was scared. He would have been at one point like scared to talk to like three people, you know, mm -hmm. and to see him transform and to the point where he'll probably step out of corporate America, be full-time entrepreneur here in the next year. Um, six, smoked his career working for a big company down here in Milwaukee, um, moved up his career, but also scaled the company outside of that. And to get moments with them where they're like emotional and we're emotional because they're like, man, if it wasn't for this, like, we don't know where we would be. Like, if it wasn't, and it wasn't all, it's never us. Like, it's doors we've opened, it's ideas, you know what I mean? It's not like we've helped them do everything. Um, but those moments and those letters and those notes and just that yeah. appreciation uh, that has come as a function of that is just incredible. So that's probably, like, our biggest success story at this point. Yeah. But then there's a lot of little ones along the way. Yeah. A lot of failures and a lot of mess-ups and screw-ups along the way, too. It's been the hardest part. Um, the hardest part that yeah is in convention like most people don't talk about it yeah let's let's do this so I got I got an idea here if you're listening to this um, I think it's it's pretty unique right so you guys drive you've mm -hmm. all been driving so think picture yourself driving right you're pretty good at it mm -hmm. pretty pretty confident right and I tell you to go parallel park my Camry like okay yeah I'll go park that and then I say actually forget that I'm gonna have you go parallel park my Lamborghini. Now, actually put yourself, close your eyes and like put yourself in that moment. I'm gonna go parallel park a brand new Lamborghini. What happens to you? Like what, what happens? You start to get nervous. Yep. You're like, uh, yeah, I know I'm a good driver, but like this is a $150,000 vehicle. And to me right there, that's self-image. That's self-esteem. That's self-belief. Yeah. You're, you know you're a good driver. You got the skills. You've been driving for a long time. Why are you afraid to park this nice vehicle? It's because of the belief in self. Yeah. And so what I needed was I needed people to believe in me before I believed in myself. I needed that. Is it still like that for you? 100%. That's why I have mentors. <laughs> I need people that come and believe in me and kind of speak into me. Because when you're, when you're in the mode of creating and building and you're failing and you feel like you're taking three steps forward or three steps backward, one step forward. Mm -hmm. I need somebody to remind me like, hey, you got this, like you're gonna yeah. be okay. Build me up, you know? It's cool that you have that self-awareness. Dude, I'm like, I think I'm 
1,000% the opposite. Like, mm. I, regardless of what anybody has ever said, like, yo, Q, you're amazing. Like, if I didn't have that self-belief, I wouldn't be anything. And yeah. I think I, I always struggled with that because I didn't really have people. I had to build that community, but it mm. stemmed from, hey, like, I needed to believe in myself. I needed to have just that disgusting, hey, you can do this before anybody else believed or before I would believe that anybody else would believe, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's kind of uh, kind of where you came from and what you yeah. had to do, right? And yeah, and I think again, like my self image was so much about athletics that yeah. stripped that away. Do you think with um, athletics and you, what did you call the depression? Like yeah, post athletic depression. Okay. Yeah. Um, with the post athletic depression, if you would have not played soccer or anything like that do you think you would have still succeeded in that corporate america type of lifestyle yeah or do you think like there's probably that bug somewhere inside you that's always going to say hey this isn't the right thing yeah yeah i think uh, it's a great point I, I would have to i probably whatever i say now i might say differently down the road yeah but, um 100 <laughs> i mean it's hard to not think that everything that has happened to you has happened for a reason right and sometimes I think it's not what's happening to you, it's hap what's happening through you, meaning what story are you gonna pull from that? Like, what is your, what is the story you're gonna take? Because as we write stories in our life, we live our life and we fail and things happen to us, um, we can take that story and build it into something great. And we can use it as a tool to empower, you know, we can use it as a tool to, to help people. So I think for sure, and I think that itch that competitive itch, um, if I didn't have soccer, I don't think I would have the drive and the stamina to yeah. kind of fight through the, the crap of, of, of building something for yourself that we have to all go through, you know, the, the junk yeah. and the doubts. Yeah. So the, one, the only reason I think I, we've gotten to where we've gotten uh, outside of the mentorship is just like, I just have this grit that like, the reason I was captain of the team on soccer is because I just would not quit. Yeah. I'm the guy that was annoyingly, irritatingly, like, consistent. Like, that's, that's what could man. Do you think that's an environment, or do you think that's who you are? That's a good question. It's like nurture versus nature, right? Yeah. It's a fascinating question. Um, I think it's part of the way I was raised. You know, my dad played uh, Division One football for Auburn, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah, so he was a, he was a backup quarterback, played a couple years there. And so he was a high-caliber athlete. And I remember him telling me a story about when he quit, um, when he quit playing football, his dad stopped talking to him uh, for like six months because his dad saw him becoming like, you know, the next star NFL yeah. football player. And I remember hearing that story and I thought about it, so I thought about it consciously like, oh, that's great to hear because my dad will never do that to me, which mm -hmm. is true, he wouldn't. But I think subconsciously I thought like, don't quit things. So I think it was a little bit of the way I was raised in the environment I was yeah. raised in. And he always told us, if you start a sport, you finish it. Yeah. In the season, right? So if you start a bas playing basketball, which I did, and I sucked at it and I hated mm -hmm. uh, But I had to finish out the season yeah. because I committed to that. So I think that's a little bit of the way I was raised. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. My wife will, well, my wife will uh, back me on this. I'm just like super stubborn. When I start something, I want to finish it. Yeah. Yeah. So it can be annoying if it's little things in the house or whatever. It's like, just let it go. Like, we can do it later. It's like, no, I got to finish it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that. And that's, 
at the end of the day, like, I feel like I'm almost the same way where I am so stubborn. Like, he knows. Like, they call me the mosquito sometimes because, like, like when it comes... Yeah, net. Um, yeah. When it comes down to sales, uh, I used to work for the Bucks selling season tickets. Mm. And um, I interned for them. I also helped the Milwaukee Brewers out the same way. Yeah. And it was, like... It sucked, honestly. Like, I thought, I took my buckshot because I said, okay, they're building this bright new shiny arena. People are going to want to come to it so I can sell tickets, right? Yeah. Um, little did I know, literally, it seemed like 75% of the city didn't want the arena. And um, <laughs> literally everybody I was calling, I was probably getting one or two answers a day. And when I got those answers, it was people saying, why are you wasting my taxpayer money and why am I doing this and why am I doing that? And I'm like, first of all, it's not me. Yeah, right. Second of all, it's already approved, so why are you still yelling at me? Uh, they're literally tearing, they're tearing up the ground right now. Um, but I literally had to battle through all these objections in order to get them to say, yes, I'll agree to a tour. Yes, I'll take these free tickets to come check out a game or something like that. And... As much as I, I hated that job, I only worked there six months, I hated it. And as much as I hated it, I think it's still like to this day still impacts me to a point where I am that, that fruit fly or that gnat because if, if someone won't, like the Midwest has this thing about saying maybe. Yeah, and, never yes or no. Right? Oh my gosh. I, I'm like, yo, just all you have to do is tell me no and I'll leave you alone. <laughs> yeah. And if you keep saying maybe, I'm still going to keep bothering you and blowing you up and your assistant up and this and this and this. And all you have to do is tell me yes or no. That's it. And that's that's the main thing. I mean, I'm still following up with a lead from two years ago now, and it's because they, they keep saying maybe. And I'm just like, at this point, I already know it's a no, but I'm yeah. just so like... Let me prove my point. Yeah, let me... Exactly. <laughs> if, if when I get that no, I'm gonna be like, awesome. Next time, just let me know yes or no, and we can avoid two years of back and forth. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I think a lot, and I've gotten uh, a lot of good out of it because people appreciate that persistence. One of the last uh, clients that I got, um, a company called I'm Aware, uh, Yanni, actually, just the owner and co-founder of it, said, "Hey, Izzy, I honestly." Probably would have forgotten if you didn't keep emailing me or texting me or calling me. And that's a big, like, he's like, I appreciate that. So those are the ones that make me want to keep on being that net or that fly on the wall or anything like that. Because at the end of the day, I know, yes, it might annoy 75 out of the 100 people, but those 25 that actually like it and appreciate it are the people that I want to be involved with. I, I want it work with or anything like that so, so it's not annoying either because you're bringing value if you know you're bringing them value and you're going to change their lives and you're doing them a disservice by not being persistent yeah so yeah it's a good point it's a super good point i think um i was just thinking today actually in a couple of good discussions and i was like you know is the value that we give are we giving value with the expectation of an roi or are we giving value with no expectation and i think as you mature and you grow and you become more self-aware or you build a stronger brand, you just become less caring about the ROI and you become more caring about the just the, the value given. 100%. And people notice that, man. Like People yeah. notice that all day. Like I think our my favorite part of this, like what we're doing, is like we're just 
present, you know, like just bringing value, answering questions, like hosting mm -hmm. events, but no expectation. There's a lot of return there, like hands down, a lot of return there, but no expectation. Like, yo, let's sit down, let's talk, let's yeah. do this. Like, yo, this is what we did, you know, like we have that belief and we know like abundance mindset, dude. Like we're not afraid that if we help somebody, they're going to take from us because they're not. You know yeah. where we're going, we know what we're good at and it's all there. It's so true. If you can operate in the space of abundance, yeah, it's a scarcity. It is. It's yeah. all there. Yeah. Amen. There's plenty to go around. You know, I think for for me as an athlete, too, one of the one of the big factors I had to struggle with is what they call competition in the athletic world, right? Who's your competition? What's your competition? Mm -hmm. And um, you know, in soccer, my competition it was interesting because it was like when I was sitting the bench for two years, my competition was mm -hmm. the guys that were on the team. It's like what kind of what kind of mindset is that, right? But it's pretty normal, pretty common. Um, and then when you get out into the world of, of business or entrepreneurship, um, you gotta be really careful with yep. who you create the competition to be. And what I've come to terms with, and one of the things that we've been talking a lot about with people that we're working with and mentoring and uh, guiding, is that your biggest competition is you, and it's your ego, <laughs> yep. right? It's your discipline, it's your self-image, it's that is really the competition. And if you can create that and you can become kind of what you're saying in that mindset that, hey, I'm, I'm confident, I know what we got, I know what we have our hands on, and I have an abundance mentality, I think that's where people really start to be themselves. Oh, yeah. And bring value to the world. Checking that ego is so huge. Like, it's, mm. I, I've posted about it a couple times on LinkedIn. I'm reading Ego is the Enemy right now. Mm. And very good book if you haven't checked it out, but it's... It's honestly opened my eyes because I realized like, wow, like the little things that I do, uh, whether it be at home with my girlfriend, even making dinner or it's me in here, I want to make sure I'm checking that and I'm staying as humble as possible. And um, the more I sit down and like sit down with people that might need some help here and there or might just need my advice, I, in, since I've been reading the book, I say, wow, wow. I actually, if I didn't read this book, I would have said this, but now I'm saying this mm. and I'm saying more humble and showing them that like, it's not like, sorry myself, it's not all about me and it's not all about like what I've accomplished and all this stuff. Like I'm working on a presentation right now, uh, for a, um, speech that I'm doing in New Orleans on Saturday or on mm. Sunday. And I literally went through it all and I'm like, wow, I'm literally talking about myself this entire thing. And... I'm doing that because I know that there's a whole bunch of kids there that will follow and do this. Mm -hmm. And what are they going to take out of it at the end of the day? So I went through and actually did redid the entire thing and framed it so that, yes, I am talking about myself, but the things that I am talking about myself actually matter and that it's something they can take um, out of it. So it's staying humble is just huge and checking that ego at the door is something that, I mean, we, everyone struggles with, but we're trying to do change every day it comes with age too and just like pain honestly dude like i remember when i first started like just speaking <coughs> like i would go like and just feel like i had a brain like just vomit every like accolade every accomplishment like i've done this i've done this i have this many views i have this many followers like everything it just got to a point where it's like i know what i've done i really don't care if people like me like this is the value i bring and like can they see themselves in the story that we're portraying i think the Biggest compliment we've ever gotten is, I love the Misfits, but has nothing to do with you guys. Like, they don't say it like this, but it has nothing yeah. to do with you guys. It's, I identify as a Misfit. 
and you helped me achieve this. Like, it has nothing to do about us. It's all about them. That is so good. You know, it's like the starts with why with Simon Sinek, right? Yeah. I saw that on your bookshelf, somebody's bookshelf yeah. in here. And it's, um, he talks about Martin Luther King, who had 200, a quarter million people from all different walks of life come to his I Have a Dream speech. Mm-hmm. And in that, he talks about how the fact it wasn't because they came for him, they came for themselves. Mm-hmm. They came from them and yep. their belief, right? And I think that's so true. I, you guys aren't married yet, right? Uh, this is, I'm not. No, no, no. So it's interesting. Uh, as for at least from my perspective getting married and I have an amazing wife and we are like on the same page and we are very different but we know where we want to go and the impact we want to make um, but you get fully exposed in a marriage right I mean there's no other relationship that's going to expose you as much as living with somebody and and like intimately living with somebody right and so we were on a drive back uh, about, and it reminds me of what your, your ego, and I, I got my ego checked big time. We were driving back from a conference we were at that, um, it was down in St. Louis, and uh, we had some speaking opportunities, and some of the people we've been working with in multiple years were speaking, so it was just really energizing. And we have a young guy that we're working with um, out of the west part of the state who's just an aspiring entrepreneur. He's got a ton of things going on. We're really pumped for him. And my wife on the drive back, she's like, hey, we need to talk about some things. And, and when you come out of a conference like that, you're kind of open. Like, yeah. you guys have been to some of these events where yeah. you're kind of like open and receptive and like you're filled up. So it's like, okay, bring it on. Like, I'm ready for some feedback, right? And she laid it down. And one of the things she said that was like so true is she's like, I just feel like sometimes you're just so like overbearing. And you like, you find somebody that you really like or you see and, and then you're like pulling them aside and you're talking to them all the time. And I'm reflecting on the weekend, right? And I'm like, everything she said, it was like spot on. And I was just like, I like couldn't let this guy go. Yeah. And the big part of it for me wasn't, my, my, my heart wasn't like, I want to like, every, I want everyone to know that I've helped this guy. My heart was like, I just want to make sure I'm helping the most I can. But the perception is the reality, yeah. right? And so what she saw is what the reality was. And it was one of those defining moments in our relationship where I literally wrote it down. I was, you know, we were both emotional about it. And, um, and I just, you know, at the end of it, I just thanked her. And I said, you know what, I thank you so much for having the courage because my mentors couldn't have seen that. There's like nobody else that would have recognized that. You yeah. are the only one that could. And I wouldn't have. It was, I, I was blinded to it. Um, and it was a window that I couldn't see. And so, uh, but those were moments where, and it was just like two weeks ago and I checked myself. And so I've just been really self-aware of that. Yeah. And so these are, these are moments that we all need. And, 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 you know, I just pray that everybody out there that's listening to this just can find some, whether it's a significant other, just some relationships in their life that will kind of help them through some of those self-growth things, you know, yeah. something we're really passionate about. That's How awesome. do people find that, man? Like I, it's weird for me, like, Again, because, like, I use social, like, it's it's my life. It literally is my life. Like, we build communities kind of for a living. But yeah. that's something that adults struggle with, especially, like, out of college. Like, how do you build that community around you? How do you get those people there that are actually benefiting you? You love them. They love you. Yeah, it's so true. It's, it's, it's difficult, right? I think we were just really fortunate that we found uh, people that had kind of the life and the purpose that we were looking for. And then also we're in a kind of like you guys have going on here where we could go into partnership together because mm-hmm. that's a unique combination where you have like vested interest in his success right yeah. not only just 
you love him, you care about him as a business partner, but you like, you're vested into him. And so that's pretty unique. And I think that's the beauty of entrepreneurship and partnership. Yeah. I love partnership. I'm not a huge fan um, of like, like hiring and like uh, employee. Like I'm a big fan of like just business partnerships. Yeah. So I think that's one thing, um, at least that. And then um, you just got to like get out there and like meet people, man, like offline. You know, I walked in to you and Sam sitting down, right? At the... Uh, yeah, 89. Yeah. Take out my meetings, sir. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just so cool because it was like, I, I, that level of respect for you just went like through the roof. Because I'm like, yeah, he is the real deal. Like, it's not just a show he's putting mm -hmm. on. And I think, you know, you got to see it to believe it a lot of times, unfortunately. But as we humans, we're naturally skeptical or, or it's like a we're projecting because we're you're making you're more successful than we are or whatever but i saw that and i was like man that guy just really does care like to help people appreciate that man you know and so i was like this is the kind of people that i want to surround yourself with myself with my family with and and a lot of times unfortunately in the corporate structure it's doggy dog it's yep. you know think about it that's the way it's set up it's like jump on top of this guy to get there and hide this and look better here and impress this person and it's like we want to raise a family where it's just like, man, like watch mom and dad fail, watch mom and dad go out there and help other people and serve other people with no expectation. Yeah. And so I think if you bring that to the world, I think it will come to yeah. you. I'm sure you found some great mentors without really seeking them out. It takes time too, man. It's like, yeah. just like a relation, just like a romantic relationship. You're not going to, more than likely, you're not going to marry the first person you meet. <laughs> like shit's going to suck. Like, that didn't work, that didn't work. Oh, this person's really cool. You know, mm. same thing for mentors, for friends. So I wish people would just chill, take their time, but be intentional about it. So I like what you mentioned, that's cool. What would you, what would you say to entrepreneurs that so you mentor a ton of them really everywhere? Um, and a lot of them don't know how to deal with that work-life balance and how, how to deal with, okay, the, there's time for work and then there's time for family and friends and mm -hmm. there might not be that much time but there there is time and it's something like i struggle with a lot i just got yelled at for this so aaron if you're listening <laughs> i learned i was listening can't make aaron um, no we learned it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that it's something i struggle with uh, a lot and i like always have work on my mind which is fine to, but to a point and when she kind of called me out for it, it really opened my eyes. I'm like, wow, I literally am constantly working and constantly doing this and that and this and that. And when was the last time I went to go see my parents and stuff like that? Mm. So women are like really good for that. Yeah. Because they're, they're typically, not all, but typically a little bit more on the relational side. Yeah. And like quality time side, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What would you tell, what would you tell that like dids? Yeah. He's got a wife now, so he can't work as much as he, I mean, he still is, which is, he's nuts. Karen's going to start yelling here soon. Not <laughs> if he but, gets a dog. Oh, true. Um, <laughs> oh, wait, but, wait, wait. What's this all about? She really wants a dog. Oh, he doesn't okay. want a dog. <laughs> I want them to get a dog. Levi wants them to get a dog. <laughs> um, but, yeah. like, what, what would you tell uh, yeah. someone that's struggling with that? Yeah, it's a great, something... I honestly think it's something all entrepreneurs struggle with. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know an entrepreneur in the world that can, like, just flip, flip off the switch that well. Yeah. Um, 
But I think for us, it's been about what we call vertical alignment and like, what do we value most? What is really most important for us in this life? And it's like, for us, it's our faith. And like, we have a faith that we, we you know, live out or your spiritual walk or wherever you are in that realm. And then it's our family. And for us, our family is my wife and I. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's, a most, that's the, what we call the level one relationship. The most important relationship we have on planet Earth is her and I. So if that falls apart, honestly, everything else was a failure yeah. in, our, in our opinion. So then that becomes highest priority. So I, I once heard a friend of mine talk about, um, he said, if I don't work out for two days, it moves up on the priority list to now number, like towards the top. But if it's been only a day, it's, it's pretty low. But if it's two days in a row, it now moves up on the priority list. And so kind of figuring out what your cadence and your rhythm is and having, I think what a lot of people don't do, and I caught myself doing this, is they don't just sit down with that person or that family member and just be like, how, do you, how are you feeling about like us and like how much time we're spending together? And what, do we, what does it need to look like? Yeah. You know, what does time, what does quality time look like to you? My wife Allie versus what does quality time look like for my dad like what does that mean to you yeah for my dad and I it's probably like you know going fishing or doing something like active together for my wife it's like sitting on the couch with a glass of wine and like talking yeah so defining what that quality time is and then it's not about quantity it's about quality mm-hmm. it's about moment you know hey we're gonna take an hour completely cleared off phone shut off which is something we all struggle with and then taking that time so something we always have to work through and relationships evolve and change so now you got to always be adjusting and oh yeah i love that idea of clarity it's kind of what i base my life around i was listening to like a comedy show i don't remember who it was but he was talking about like again what's important to you he's like yo you grow up with your parents and super great relationship you see them all the time then you go to college then you like get married and do all these things and you probably see your parents like maybe like 30 times after that and then they die which is so sad and it hit me so hard and I'm like damn like what is actually wow. important to me because I haven't seen my mom and like maybe actually she was just here so I did but like yeah. once a year twice a year which is insane but that's super important to me like what is actually important to you what's actually what do you actually care about like I dig that like clarity getting clear what do you want what's that life like who are the important people in your life because you may not see me yet so true yeah. so Posing a question: Is Levi your level one relationship? Or? I, yeah, but it happened. I think everything would fall apart, man. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, Dingo for those listening. <laughs> dingo. <laughs> Something special about dogs on that. Right? It really is, man. I don't. I don't think I would have survived entrepreneurship without him. Like he's seen everything. I got him almost four years ago. I started my first company three years ago. So he's seen everything. Pretty awesome. Yeah, the weirdest dog in the world, but <laughs> the weirdest. <laughs> Boy, do we have some stories. <laughs> this dog, uh, Q and I also, um, when we lived together, we had, um, we decided one day we're going to adopt a dog, and this dog was probably the lady dropped him off. I literally got it off Craigslist, free dog, different or, dog, not Levi. not not Levi, yeah, different dog. Um, the lady goes, hey. Um, I have to get rid of this dog or else it's going to go to a kill animal shelter. I was like, well, that's sad. Um, I'm going to adopt him. And at the point, we we didn't even ask our landlord or anything. We were just like, yeah, we're going to adopt a dog. So I met up with this girl, got the dog. 
I, I know it doesn't look like I ever had hair, but I used to have some curls. And this <laughs> this damn dog had way more curls in mine. Like his dreadlocks, the, basically. Yeah, dreads. It yeah, it, it was like the the girl didn't even pay attention to it. Um, and we we're like, wow, what's going on with him? So we had him for a couple of weeks. We didn't know what to name him, so we literally called him Dog. <laughs> um, and he he answered. Um, and our roommate didn't like him, and he ended up pooping in our roommate Snowden's uh, room. So, Snow, if you're listening. Sorry about that. <laughs> so, we went through all this, and the dog wasn't eating, and we are like, wow, we have to get rid of it. Like, we have to figure out what's wrong with him, but we're two broke college students, can't even pay $200 in rent. And Jackie, uh, downstairs from Excelity, uh, he was working at Excelity at this point. He was Jackie's first employee. Wow. And he told Jackie, hey, I have this dog. We can't afford to have it anymore. Do you want it? He's like, yeah, next there. Here we go. Boom. Took, took the dog to work. Dog gets groomed, still not eating. Jackie ended up having to, like, the dog needed rotting surgery teeth. or something. Yeah, like that. Teeth yeah. Or something like that. yeah, the teeth were rotting in the back. And it wasn't eating because it hurt. Oh my and the gosh. dog would have died. It's sad. I shouldn't like chuckle or anything, but the Starting dog literally would have died. Yeah, and now name. his name is Alfred. Yep. And the dog is just like living the best <laughs> life ever, still alive. Yeah, the best it's life. crazy. Yeah, it's <laughs> crazy. Because like even at that point, like we were having fun with that dog and everything like that. But then eight months later, Levi walks into my door and I was like, oh no, this little... <laughs> This little dog, um, but he's been amazing. He's the best. He is. <laughs> I don't know how we got to that. No. <laughs> Maybe there's a correlation there that you guys can draw. He is the number one, though. I really I don't know what I do without him. I want another one once I get a bigger place or something. Need two. Maybe three. Maybe five. Well, they, yeah, what do they say? Like dogs like to, they're like packs. Or yeah. Something. yeah. They, they are. Yeah. They really are. Yeah. They got to latch on. Well, what's next for you, man? Yeah, so I got some interesting things going on. So I walked into, uh, so I was, I've been doing everything I've been doing for, I was eight years in supply chain. So I've always just had it as a side hustle and as hustle (laughs) (laughs) and with the vision to eventually phase out a corporate. And I think there's like a spectrum of entrepreneurs, uh, the people that will quit their jobs and start something, Mm -hmm. which I respect a ton. Uh, And then the people that are like, really employee-minded or like super corporate driven like we need those people and i would say i'm pretty much dead center is the way i was raised and now i'm starting to venture more towards the entrepreneurial spectrum but i had to gain a lot of as i said self-confidence and so i walked into corporate america uh, working for a great company uh, here in milwaukee and they eliminated my position so i went walked in june 6th and walked out five minutes later without a job Mm. um And, you know, those are defining moments and those are sobering moments. My wife currently works in HR. And so um, she was, this is what she does. She she lays off people a lot of times. And so it was kind of neat and crazy to be on the receiving end of it. You never think it's going to happen to you. And then it does. But I brought it into my life because I've been speaking about this from the beginning of like, hey, you got to have a backup plan from a corporate perspective, right? And that's why, you know, you got to have some side hustles or something you're doing. So for the last, this summer has been amazing. We've been working traditionally, just running our companies. And, um, but our vision is, is really, um, you know, legacy. We want to make sure that we raise kids. We want to, we're God willing, we want to have kids. 
So we're going to be working everything we can to pivot my wife out of corporate America so that we can both be home. Nice. Um, and uh, we have, you know, we have a lot of things going on that are good. And unfortunately or fortunately, I think in a lot of ways, like in your growing your, your businesses, um, wherever they are is where they should be. <laughs> it's like that's where it's supposed to be. Um, and so we're just like we're just not quite there yet where we can fund the life fund fully the life we really desire to have mm-hmm. and so she's going to work for a little bit and then um, I've been doing some consulting and doing some different things long term next five ten years man we just want to help as many people as we can get through the journey and start and build something of their own um, our vision is to help people automate and systemize their income so that they can really pursue their passions so kind of our, our, our thought process is and this has evolved but where we are right now is we mentor people in life so they can focus on building something that they can automate and create passive income from so that they can pursue their dreams and their passions and the things that they really, really want to do with their life and really fund those things. Nice. Versus um, some of us are fortunate to use our passions as a business and others of us have to kind of free up that time and energy to figure out what their passions are. Yeah. And so we're kind of using that spectrum of those people that fall between the employee and the true entrepreneur realm where we were and helping that majority of people get to, to get to that one. Excited, man. That's awesome. So Needed. Yeah, and so collaboration with people like you is just amazing and a blessing, and I'm so grateful. I never thought I would live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I was like, <laughs> yeah, me either. I'm going to avoid that city. <laughs> Here we are, and it's been the best thing, one of the best things for sure. So we're Good. pumped. That's awesome. And honestly, dude, like anything that we can do, like moving forward, we're always here to help. Um, a lot of people, I think it's Q's like just thinking face. He has this face that's just very scary. <laughs> but a lot of people think we're mean because of his face. <laughs> we're not. Um, we're, we're honestly some some cool cats in here that yeah. just want to help at the end of the day. And yeah. like I just reached out to the film festival to see how we can help. I'm not asking for money. It's just, hey, I think it's cool. We think it's cool. How can we help? Yeah. at the end of the day and doing more stuff like that not just with big brands like the film festival but with anybody in the city that needs our help and if we can find some time to collab or anything like that we're always doors always open Q might be playing basketball but the doors I'm always glad open glad you missed that yeah because I missed like 20 shots in a row <laughs> 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 we'll yeah. work it out yeah. Levi was playing some good D. Um, I'm not sure if we still ask this question, but we used to ask. Maybe we still do. I don't know. I haven't done an episode in a while. Um, what about you? Is strange on purpose? What makes you misfit? How do you go against the grain? Yeah. That was three questions, but okay. I mean, it's all like, it's all relative. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think um, we are anti-cultural in a lot of ways of living simply living under our means and i'm not saying that this is everyone a lot of people have this mindset but living simply decluttering simple life um declutter so we can free up a lot of mental space to create um and getting everything just systemized like my wife and i systemize uh our payments like everything's automated we want to automate as much as we can in our life so that we can spend a lot of time investing into people and I think a lot of people can give a lot of money, and we want to do that, and we we can't wait to be able to do more of that. But to give your time is a really special thing in this world. Mm-hmm. 
And so I think that is just something that we're building a life so that we can give people our time, so that we can spend an hour with them, not worry about our phone and emails and stuff, and just like engage and be intentional in their life. And uh, I think that's pretty anti-cultural because a lot of times when you're in a marathon mindset versus a sprint mindset, and I think a lot of this, the system kind of teaches us to be in a sprint and make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And when we're in the world of a marathon and a legacy, you're just like, man, it doesn't really matter how much I actually accomplish. It matters how many people I impact and how many people are better off. And so when I die, I can't take it with me anyway. So it's like how many people, so we want to set our life up to be able to give time. Yes, we want to give money, but we really want to give time. It's powerful, man. Yeah. Very. Yeah. So we're jacked. Dig in the music, huh? Yeah, a little jazz. <laughs> well, awesome, man. Appreciate yeah. you coming yeah. on. Um, where can people find you? Where can they um, keep up with everything you're doing? Yeah, number one is LinkedIn. So it's Mason L. Eddy, E-D-D-Y. Um, they can find me at uh, on Instagram at, uh, at Mason underscore Eddy. Um, and then, you know, we built a brand just, uh, we really want to help other people. So we actually don't have, um, like our company, a company website. We, we've always not wanted that. Yeah. We have an LLC, but it's just an umbrella and company that holds every entity. Um, we want you to come talk to us and we want to get to know you. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you jumping on today. Yeah, and last. like I said, anything that we can do to help, just hit us up. It's an honor, man. Good stuff. Appreciate, appreciate you. Appreciate you. Yeah. Problem. Thank you. Problem.